1: Welcome to the Tour Junkies Fantasy Golf Podcast presented by 18Birdies. This is the U.S. Open Podcast with special guest Charles Howell III. Let's go. All right, golf addicts, this is a huge podcast for us. It is the second major of the year, the U.S. Open from Shinnecock Hills. And DB and Pat Perry here to break it down with you to give you all our picks, our fades, our sleepers. We're going to talk GPP strategy, cash game strategy, and DFS. We're going to talk one and done, a little bit of golf betting, some advice on what to do on Wednesday before you lock in your picks for the week. And we heard from Charles Howell III on Sunday evening he was leaving the FedEx St. Jude, heading to Shinnecock. He played Shinnecock in 2004. We talked to him for about 20 minutes about what he's heard of the course recently. He's been to the course recently, and it's a fantastic interview. You do not want to set lineups without listening to Charles Howell. As always, the Tour Junkies podcast is presented by 18Birdies, the best golf app in the business. You get one year of premium membership, not one month, one year of premium membership if you use promo code Junkies when you download the 18Birdies app wherever Mobile phone apps can be downloaded. You want to check them out. Don't forget to email us for the Chalk Bomb this week. That is going to be absolute fire on Wednesday. You want to check the Chalk Bomb before you set any lineups as well. We really appreciate you guys downloading the show. Come back next week. We, we keep this going every week, so come back, and if you enjoy the show, we'd love for you to head to iTunes and leave us an honest review. It would mean a lot. For now, let's get right into it. May your screens be green for the U.S. Open. What's up, Golf Addicts? It is U.S. Open Week. The tour junkies are here to entertain, inform, inspire, maybe irritate. We don't know. We do a lot of things on this podcast. But tonight we are here to talk about Shinnecock Hills, our country's national championship. And I am excited. I'm David Barnett. Pat Perry, are you there? Are you with us?
0: I am with you in full spirit And body and whatever Mm -hmm. else you want to say, I am I am ready to go. So excited for the U.S. Open at Shinnecock, finally back on a you know just a classic old American course. So cannot wait. A very old course, legendary golf
1: course, and we're in the second major of the year. The PGA Tour season is up and running. It's going by fast, man. It's going by fast already. It's been I'm going to be honest. It's been kind of a rough day for me. Uh, I've been traveling today i'm in I'm actually in Dallas right now as we record this, and there's been some things going against me right now. I want to apologize first and foremost if my audio is weird. I left my mic cable nine hundred miles away, and so we're having to do some some different things here so if this is your first time tuning in. It is normally a show, but it's not normally this big a show so thank you for being patient and I hope everything. Uh, pans out nicely for this, um and also I'm short on the podcast juice tonight, so any minute I will have a a knock on the door, and um I'll get some podcast juice from my friend here. I don't know, and maybe i'll get i'll see if they have a pick to win the u s open What are the odds that they even have the ability to name a golfer playing in the u s open?
0: I'm not gonna put the odds at too good of a percentage here, but you know what? I didn't even realize you could just order just alcohol with room service like i thought maybe you had to order some food too but you just straight out just got the alcohol got the booze and that nothing else didn't even get a side of fries with some cheese on
1: top or anything no well i know i've already eaten like total garbage today so i didn't i didn't add that yet um but no yeah just just that and I just called down there and I was like, listen, I need podcast juice ASAP. And they, they understood what I meant. So that was cool. That's awesome. Good uh, deal. Uh, yeah. well, hopefully they're prompt. Yeah. Um. So I have to step away. Forgive me there. What's your podcast juice of choice
0: tonight, sir? Uh, have a little vodka drink. Um Okay. Yeah, just just kind of keeping it rolling from from the yeah. <laughs> from the week.
1: So, well, but before we get into that, um, I did watch some golf today and Dustin Johnson's hole out on the seventy second hole as he demolished the field at the FedEx St Jude with a nineteen under on what is traditionally a difficult golf course. Now, two time winner of the FedEx St Jude and your current world number one. And obviously, DJ looks like he's ready to play in the U.S. Open and is in peak form. Um, other than that, I don't, I don't really want to you know, beat the FedEx to death here. Uh, it was an interesting week. Golf course looked great. Uh, our picks did pretty good. We were right on Brooks Koepka. We said, why would you play Brooks and not just pay up for DJ? Um, Brooks finished 30th, but at $11,000, that's not very good. He also only had 12 birdies. He had twelve birdies in four rounds, Pat. That's not good. He had none today, I think he had two on Friday. Yeah, I was about to say half
0: of those must have come in the first round. I yeah, mean, he's not. He did not score well. Um, I
1: after, was not looking. Thursday. You know,
0: we, I had him in the Sherpa Show for Roto Grinders. He was my fate of the week, and was not looking too good on that after day one. But I, I think that ended up being pretty good because, like, like you said, I, I, that's what I said. is you've, if you're going to pay for him, you might as well just pay it for DJ. What a yeah. What a day for him! That was just an incredible last shot, by the way. I don't know if I haven't, that's that was pretty amazing. But I, I didn't really get a chance to watch a ton of golf, as 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 you know, we we were quite busy over the last few days. And then when you get home after all that debauchery, you pretty much you have to deal. You know, you're you're hanging out with the kids. So
1: well, and I don't want to spend a lot of time talking about the member guests. We have a lot of listeners that listen to the show only for the majors. Which, if that's you. We appreciate you. However, I also think you you need to you need to listen after this week. Like it's an entertaining deal every week. So come back. Come back. Stay a while. Let's be friends. Let's hang out every week. But for those of you who do listen faithfully, and you know that Pat was my guest at the Member Guest at Champions Retreat this past weekend and it was all over our Instagram stories. There was so much calamity. I can't Fitted in the limited amount of time that we have tonight, but uh, I will tell you that we finished second in our flight, um, despite scoring more points than any other second place team out of fifty out of sixty teams, and several um, first place teams, <laughs> and scoring more points than several first place teams. We lost, uh, but we still won some money for finishing second. We had a great time. We won every one of our matches except the last one against the guys who, who steamrolled us when the 12 handicapper shot uh, a, an even par on the most difficult nine holes at Champions Retreat. But it was a good time. We had a great time. We, we partied. We had so much fun. And we hope you guys enjoyed the IG stories. If you, if you didn't see those, I don't know if you can go back and watch them, but they were freaking funny. That's for sure. Maybe I'll put some of those on Twitter, too. We had our... We had our pre and post round pressers that we did live on Instagram and Twitter. Those were good. And for me, uh, Pat, I'm proud of you, man. I'm proud of you on a couple of fronts. I am proud of the way you played. You didn't play you didn't play fantastic, but you played better than I thought you were gonna play. And um, we brother in lawed it nicely. And I'm really proud of you that we never really had to use the safe word. You know, last week we talked about what was Pat's safe word going to be if he started drinking too much and we needed to slow things down. And gratefully, we never had to use it. Pat Pat controlled himself. One of one of the funnier moments was like Thursday night. Pat's phone goes off and it makes this weird noise and he shows it to me and it's a it's an alarm he'd set for himself that said <laughs> <laughs> it said pace or slow <laughs> and it was the alarm that Pat being responsible set for himself to make sure he uh, he didn't he didn't go too hard so that was very I was
0: proud of you for that buddy I was proud of you for that we had a great time responsibly we did we did you know it's probably a good thing I left fairly early last night that we could have it could have gotten to a situation of a safe word being needed but but I decided to check out early you know yeah i had enough, I think, but it was a lot of fun. Great time. It was. Those things are just so fun to do, and, and like you said, we did brother-in-law pretty well. Um, I, I didn't, I didn't play my best, but I played good enough, and and we just didn't get it done in the end. But I think, I think we uh, it was a good it was a good foundation for our first year. So yeah. Well, I can't let this podcast go by. This is the
1: last thing I'm going to say before we go ahead and start getting into our U.S. Open discussion. But I can't let the podcast go by without telling the most memorable story of the week, Pat. Please. So Thursday night, uh, so we're staying, we stayed at a friend's house that lives like right outside the gate of this golf course. And um, we're staying in his in his son's bedroom and we're like, there's a twin bed on the floor and I'm sleeping in the other bed. And Thursday night, we uh, we both wanted a cup of water. We, we both grabbed identical Masters plastic cups full of water, and we drank Thursday night. Well, then we didn't clean up after ourselves because that's what we do. And then on Saturday morning, so Pat, Pat did go a, a little hard on Friday night, but yes. definitely not, not bad. But he, he went a little hard on Friday night, passed out um, re- relatively early. And oh, oh! I have a knock at the door. I'm gonna keep you in suspense. Hang on. Let's. See. I'm gonna bring the. I'm gonna bring the device with me here. Hang yeah. On. Yeah. Do this. Hey, Mr. hey. Yes. How are you? How are you? Good. my make a man? you want to grab it? Uh, I can grab it. Thank uh, it. you. Can I just pay it with this, though? Mm-hmm. Thanks, man. How are you? Doing well, sir. The Beautiful. Like Thank you. Uh,
0: so let me go ahead and run this real quick downstairs
1: and i'll get back to you all right um yes, that sounds good i have a question for you do you know who's going to win the u.s open no, yeah. do you, can you name a golfer in the u.s open right now no do you know a golfer no. have you ever heard of tiger woods oh
0: yeah I know
1: that one. tiger woods there is that see your pick that's my pick okay thanks all right <laughs> Yeah, so he had no idea. Yeah, um, About what I he, thought. He, he didn't even name Tiger Woods. I had to give him Tiger Woods. Like, What, what world do you live in where you, don't, you can't even come up with the name Tiger Woods when I just say, name a golfer? Like what? <laughs> I know. Like you just laid it up for him. Then you had to, yeah, that was, uh, man. Hmm.
0: Such anyway. A, such a we're, nice we're gentleman
1: a, too. He was very nice. We're at a suspenseful part in this story. So uh, Saturday morning. I wake up first because I was feeling better than Pat and we're sharing this bathroom with this, with, with our friend's guest. And you know, if you're a guy, all right, this, this next part might gross you out. So if you're queasy, easily squeamish, or your wife is listening, you might want to like, I don't know, you might want to listen to this on your own first and then play it back out or you just might want to skip. I woke up in the morning and I had some phlegm in the throat, you know, a little mucus And I needed to hawk it up, you know, hawk a loogie. And so I hawked, and there was nowhere to spit it because the other dude was in the bathroom and the door was locked. So I grabbed the cup that I had some water left over in from two nights ago. And I was like, I'll just spit it in this, and then later when I clean up, I'll put it in the sink. So I, I hawked this big, juicy loogie in the water cup. And a few minutes later, um, I go to wake Pat up, and Pat's like, he looks horrible. I mean, hair's disheveled. He looks like a train wreck. And, you know, his eyes are half open. He stands up, and I'm standing there talking to him right in front of the the, the dresser. And um, I'm showing him a video on my phone on Twitter, and he's looking at it. And then I just, I just see him like, he doesn't even look. I just see him reach for the cup, and he puts it to his mouth, and he drinks it. And as he does, he pulls the cup away. A little string of of phlegm lays over on his chin. He doesn't even think about it. He doesn't even process that I'm drinking water. Why is it thick and why is this little stringy thing on my chin? He just wipes it, puts the cup down, and then it hits me. It hits my brain what just happened. And I said, Pat, I just spit in that cup. And he goes... <laughs> what and he freaks out he's yelling he's hawking he's 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 gar- he's making crazy noises and I lose my mind laughing to the point where then Drew our friend comes in and he's like what is going on and I tell Drew I hawked a loogie in that cup and Pat just drank it and Pat goes you hawked a loogie and I was like yeah I hawked a loogie. I just said I spit in that cup and you're like, I thought you meant you like backwash or something. And then you really lost it. It was hysterical. It was absolutely hysterical. So then I told Pat that if he hit the ball further today, that it was because my DNA is in his mouth, which is kind of gross. But he, he brought it on himself.
0: Man, that was it's just the worst story. I, I, how did you not notice it earlier? Like, why couldn't you just be a better friend and stop me from doing it? Dude, you just picked
1: up the cup. I wasn't. We were in the middle of a story, like talking about something, and you just—I didn't even see. You didn't even look at the cup. You just reached over grabbed it and put it to your mouth. And by the time I realized that the cup you had put to your mouth was not your cup from the other night, but the one I spit in because I could see my spit on your chin. <laughs> 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 then I put it together. God, <laughs> oh, that's, that's just. <laughs> oh man, that's why we didn't win. That's probably why no, we didn't win. No, you were striping the driver though on Saturday. I even, was. even at one point, even at one point later that day on Saturday, after we had long forgotten it, you were like, you looked at me in the cart and you were like, dude, I am hit my driver well today. You didn't even put it together and I was like, Yeah, my DNA's in your mouth <laughs> <laughs> And I was hitting bombs and then you started. <laughs> oh gosh, that was funny, man. That was the highlight of the week there. That was that was pretty funny. I haven't laughed that hard in a long time. That's for sure. No, I'm sorry glad it to, came at your <laughs> <significance>. <laughs> yeah, Glad to have been at service. know. Yeah. There's always some massive event when we go on a golf when we have like any kind of golf trip together. Bohm was created from a situation similar. There's just always. Can you imagine event. what's
0: going to be created out of the Ryder Cup?
1: <laughs> yeah, the Paris trip is going to be nuts. That that is that is for sure. Except our wives will be there for half the time, so we're not going to be able to do a whole lot there. All right, that's enough of that. Let's get to this. Um, Before we get into the course breakdown, which Pat has a thorough breakdown for us, we want to remind you guys of the MyBookie and Bookmaker TaylorMade Driver giveaway. So if you want to win a free TaylorMade Driver, brand new in the wrapper, we will ship that to you. Um, You have until the end of June to create an account with MyBookie or Bookmaker. If you go to mybookie.ag, you can type in the promo code Junkies when you sign up. You get a 50% deposit bonus back, and that immediately enters you into the contest. But you do have to make a minimum deposit of $50 in both MyBookie and Bookmaker. If you get a Bookmaker, you go to bookmaker.eu slash Junkies and sign up through that page. you got to make sure you do that, or it doesn't count. Deposit your $50, bucks, and then you're in that contest. If you have signed up for MyBookie or Bookmaker... And not made your fifty dollar deposit, we will never know that you did it. So you have to make the deposit to qualify, um, and then they'll give us your account numbers, and we will draw at the end of June and sh- and send you a free TaylorMade driver, all wrapped up and ready for you to whack it away. It's good. it's a good contest. Betting is legal, woohoo! And it's beautiful. And you need to you need to have trustworthy books, and my bookie and bookmaker can deliver. That's who we use. you got to shop the odds. We talk about it every week. There's there's different odds on golfers on these books. So if you like a guy, you got to check him on more than one book because likely he's not the same number. So check it out on mybookie.ag, promo code TOURJUNKIES, or bookmaker.eu slash TOURJUNKIES. Also the chalk bomb. Dude, the chalk bomb email last week was flames. It's, it's going to be massive massive content this week from our boy ben little is gonna get that uh, out to you guys earlier on wednesday so you can have it for yourself um before you know too late i I think the chalk bomb hit pat the chalk bomb was peter uline he finished tied for 43rd Uh, he was you know he's pretty heavily owned didn't have a whole lot of dk points either um he had thirteen birdies and no eagles. I mean, it's not not great. So the chalk bomb hit last week. My favorite part of what Ben's been doing lately is the odds comparison versus DK pricing comparison. It's really really sharp stuff. So he goes into my bookie and he looks at these odds and these matchups, and it really helps you make a decision. Like that's what it, I don't know if that's what you've been using it for, but for me, like if there's a matchup on my bookie or bookmaker and it's like. You know Fowler versus Rom, and you can't decide which one you like. Let the books kind of show you something, and that's what that's what Ben's been doing a really good job breaking down in the chalk bomb the last few weeks, and he's going to do that again this week. So, if you want the chalk bomb, Pat, what do you have
0: to do if they want the chalk bomb? Let's see. If, let's see how sharp you are. All right, so um, you go to the website. Tourjunkies.com, and then you go to contact us. So fill out the contact card. Give us, well, just just send us a message and just say, hey, I want the chalk chop, chop bomb. You guys are freaking awesome. I love you. Boom. Wow. That's yeah. The contact card. Yeah. Click Whatever. on contact
1: <laughs> us. Fill out the contact form. And then when you do that, you're going to get an email. You're going to get an email. And it's going to be from us, and you got to open the email and click the button to opt in to the chalk bomb. That's what you got to do. Pat, you still don't have it. This is why they say in marketing that people have to hear things like 13 times before they know what to do. And you are the stereotypical
0: that person. Yeah, well, we're only on like what? Week 17 of the chalk bomb? <laughs> That's somewhere around there, I guess. Good lord.
1: All right, Pat, um, it is time. Let's talk about Shinnecock Hills. Hit us with the
0: course breakdown. All right, so I, like I said at the at the beginning of the show, so excited to be at Shinnecock Hills Golf Club for the 118th U.S. Open Championship. Shinnecock is in Southampton, New York. Yeah, they're living it up in the Hamptons. Tiger's got his boat parked somewhere up there. Um Course is playing seven thousand four hundred and forty yards. It's a par seventy. That is four hundred and fifty yards longer than it did in two thousand four, where it played at six thousand nine hundred ninety-six yards. So just under seven thousand yards. It recently had what you might call a a restoration, is what they what they keep what the term is. But I don't know. I think it was just more of an updated. by the Bill Corps and Ben Cren- Crenshaw team. You'll recognize them. Obviously, Ben Crenshaw, you'll recognize him. But when um, we talked about Trinity Forest just a few weeks ago, they built that course and designed it. But, yeah, you know, Shinnecock is, is a very link-style course. The wind and the weather will be key. So we'll want to watch that heading up to Wednesday um, because I think that's going to be a huge factor this week. There's been a lot of talk about the fairways this year. And they're actually playing a little bit wider than they did it in 2004. And all are kind of between 30 and 50 yards, with the average being about 40 yards. That being said, you still have to hit the fairways. You have to be accurate off the tee. Because if you miss the fairways, the rough, which is a fescue, is right there waiting for, for you. And it's extremely penal. And it will kill you if you don't hit the fairways. So you do have to be accurate. Around the greens, there's actually not a whole lot of rough. There's a few holes with some rough, but they've shaved them down. So there's going to be some severe runoffs. This is where I think the weather is going to play a factor. I mean, if we don't get any rain and it stays dry, that's going to be, it's going to be very hard. They're not going to get off as easy as they did at Aaron Hills when we had so much rain because they had those runoffs. But it was just there. It was easy up and downs for them. Whereas if if we, if the core stays dry and there's and there's not a whole lot of wind, um, that's going to be extremely tough. So again, weather is going to play a huge factor. Um, you got two par fives on this course, 585 yards is the first one. Not too, I mean, you can, you can reach it in two, um, still going to be very difficult, though. And then the other one's 616 yards, so that's not going to be one that, you know, you're going to see a whole lot of guys hitting two. You got four par threes. The longest is 252 yards. 252 yards. David, that's you played long, that's a long part three. You played three days of golf with me this past week. Did I hit a drive two hundred and fifty yards? No, I mean it may have been close, maybe close, maybe with with wind to your back, downhill, and a and a top flight. Yeah, and I even saw Tony Finau tweet today on that hole. I can't remember which number it is, but he said he just had the, you know, just the the eyes looking with shock emoji that that 252 yards. And Tony Finau, as we know, was extremely long, but that that was even intimidating to him. And then you got the rest par fours. The shortest is playing 374. The longest is playing playing 519 yards. This is going to be a very difficult test for these players. And you hear like players like Mickelson, who's been here a couple of times leading up to the tournament. He thinks it's in fantastic shape. It's going to be a great test for these guys. Um, so we'll see. It's going to, I, I can't wait to, to see what we, we get as far as weather's concerned. Looking at past champs, um, just to go through them. I know we're obviously on a different course, in, you know, for the U S open every year, but we had Brooks Kepia last year, DJ in 2016, Jordan Spieth in 2015, Martin Keimer in 14, and then Justin Rose at Marion in 2013. For me, my stats are going to be, I think recent form is huge. I think it always is going into a U.S. Open. So that's going to be big for me. Also driving accuracy, um, scrambling, strokes gained off the tee, and then bogey avoidance. We, we know you have to avoid the big numbers. you got to make pars. That is key for a U.S. Open. So the, that will be what I'm focused on as far as the stats are concerned. David, what do you got? All
1: right, good stuff, Pat. Well, you know, before we get to my course breakdown, I think we got to hear from a guy who's pretty freaking educated when it comes to playing well in the PGA Tour and playing Shinnecock Hills. As he was there in 2004, finished tied for 36th, we got Mr. Charles Howell III to give us a call late on Sunday evening leaving the FedEx St. Jude Classic. He was very kind to sit down with us. We really appreciated Charles' time. He's a great human being. And now the second time he's been on the podcast, Pat. Second time. And it's good stuff. So we're going to talk about Shinnecock and learn a little bit about what Charles Howell thinks of it. So let's uh, let's check that out. All right, Golf Addicts, we are really excited to have the following guest on the show. It's now his second appearance. He's catching up with old Kevin Kisner in appearances on the Tour Junkies podcast. Mr. Charles Howell III on the line. What's up, CH3? How are you? man? Well, I'm doing
2: great, thank you. And now that you mentioned Kevin Kisner on there, uh, I got to get a higher number than him. So I we'll be doing this again every week till so I beat him.
1: <laughs> well, that's not, that sounds like a good. Uh, that sounds good. You, <laughs> you uh, we can make that happen, man. It won't take much. I think he's been on the show like four times, so we're almost. There. Uh, pardon, we're almost there. We, we get on um, here pretty quick. <laughs> Well, we appreciate you coming on, Charles. We wanted to bring Charles on to talk through the U.S. Open Shinnecock, um, as as you competed there in 2004 and played pretty well. You you finished tied for 36. You 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 made it out alive um, and it, continued to want to play golf after round four. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um,
2: so like that that week, I, I was actually paired with Bertie, uh Goose in the first two rounds. Uh, who obviously went on to win the golf tournament. And yep. uh, I remember that the first 36 holes, he he put on the greatest putting display I'd ever seen in my life, ever. And uh, the first day, I remember he had 23 putts. And I you remember know, going back to the hotel and talking to my caddy, yeah, there's no way this guy can do that again. He got hot with the putter. It's unreasonable. It won't happen again. <laughs> and, the, and the next day, he has 24 putts. Um, yeah. So, but like that. Obviously, uh, this many years later, has scarred me. But um, no, it just, just the golf course is is fantastic. Um, I've, I've been lucky enough to play it away from a U.S. Open as well, and it's just it's it's wonderful. Um, I think everybody holds their breath when the U.S.G.A. gets a hold of it. Um, yeah. But normally, normal tradition speaking, uh, Shinnecock is uh, is all world
1: i I was gonna ask you, have you seen it since o four and if so, how many times have you played it
2: i I've played it four or five times since then uh i've been i've uh, done different corporate outings uh played there and then I've been just up one other time uh non golf outing just playing it uh, normally with some friends and um it has a lengthy feel to it um it's got a little bit of change in elevation on it but you know, where it sits on Long Island with National right there and Sabonic close to it. I mean, the, the whole uh, area is, I mean, some of the best golf in the world, really. Yeah.
1: What What do you think? So when was the last time you played it? When was the last time you saw it? Uh, it, it was about a year ago. It was the last time I, I played it.
2: Um, so it was kind of in that transitioning phase of the USGA. Let's, let's start to narrow a few more of these fairways up You know, from how yeah. uh, Cor and Crenshaw had widened it again. Um, and you know, I think this, you know, I mean, listen, the USGA that they, they have a knack for kind of, um, I don't know if you say messing up or maybe, you know, changing <laughs> a little too much of the essence of a golf course. So I don't know come Thursday, Friday, what it'll be like, but, uh, from some guys I've played it here over the last few days, they say it's extremely fair, uh, tough, uh, but, but, but really fair.
1: So, you mentioned this term, you said links a minute ago. Where do you think a course like this ranks in terms of U.S. links style golf courses that have played in major championships? Is this the most lengthy U.S. track that we've had?
2: Oh, um, man. Uh, for major championships, I'd probably say yes. Um especially if, if the weather forecast, which is meant to be fairly dry, maybe a chance on Wednesday of rain. If it stays dry and, and windy, which it will be on Long Island, I, man, if it gets firm, if the fairways get firm and bouncy, I think it could play yeah, pretty darn lengthy. Um, it's definitely going to show that from TV. Uh, you won't really see any trees on it. Uh, the, the guys that have played it here recently said the rough, like the thick, thick stuff, is nasty. Um, uh, yeah. that if you find the ball, you, you're going to have a hard time even getting it back to the fairway.
1: Yeah. What, what do you, so talk through, obviously in the U S open and the U.S.G.A.'s goal is to make it a complete test of golf from key to green. So we know that's we know that's the case Yeah. in terms of, in terms of, um, other key things, whether it's distance, you know, a premium on accuracy, whether it's hitting approach shots into the right levels on these greens. Mm-hmm. Or scrambling when you miss these greens. Like, how would you rank? Like, what what do you think is going to be the most important thing that you have to do in a U.S. Open um, to to compete? Uh,
2: Well, I'd say number one is drive the ball well. Um, You've got to drive the ball and play. Uh, If if you don't drive it well, it's you're you're done Friday afternoon, headed home. And um, now from that. Uh, then I would say it's putting uh, because you're going to have the, you know, the six to 10 foot putts for par, uh, no, no matter what you do. So I would say, you know, like my preparation, let's say the next few days, the center is going to be really focused on driver and three-wood off the tees and then a ton of time putting. Um, now, obviously I, I wish I could be talking to you as a major champion <laughs> so I could tell you that this is true, but uh, it, it, it's, what, it's what I think is what I've uh, noticed from guys. Um, you know, from the major championships I've played, et cetera, um, I still think the clubs off the tee are are, our king.
1: So does it present what it needs to in order to make guys like you, Rory, DJ, Jay, Pepka, JT, all these guys who are along, does it do what it needs to, you think? Is the rough that you talked about, is it scary enough with 40-yard wide fairways to make those guys club down and think and, and think about hitting three woods and and two irons and driving irons and all that.
2: Well, I okay. Let's say let's assume that it dries. Then my answer would be yes. It, it will make guys think about that um, because forty yard wide fairways, if they get dry and bouncy, can play a whole lot more narrow than that. Now. Yeah. Let let's say that it let's say that it doesn't dry out and it, and it kind of still stays soft and damp. Then no, you're going to see a bunch of guys getting a bunch of drivers and, and wailing at it. So my guess here would be that Mike Davis wants it to dry out and make guys start thinking about ooh, maybe this same ball could land in the fairway but still bounce out of it. I may need to you know be a little bit cautious here on what I'm doing. Charles, is your like. <laughs> Looking at the greens, I mean,
0: what are are there some other courses that you would compare these greens to as far as um, how fast they're going to be
2: and the undulations? You know, my, I, I would say that what you generally see in U.S. Open is you see pretty fast greens, but most of their speed is, is they get them from the massive undulations in them. And for whatever reason, they really get chewed up late in the day. Um, you know, this would be your, like, pristine, pure surfaces of, let's say, an Augusta National or even, let's say, Memorial, where we played a couple weeks ago. You know, these surfaces tend to get a bit chewed up and whatnot. Um, now, I have heard that they've shaved off a ton of area around these greens. So, they, they want the ball kind of bounding and going away a bit. So, you know, that's a little bit different, too, than, you know, a lot of U.S. Opens were that heavy rough and, say, best is right on the edge of the green.
0: So you, you mentioned earlier, Charles, and, and obviously we think wind is going to be a huge factor. You know, we may get a little bit of rain, but who are some guys in the field that you think are are the best wind players? Uh, and, and not, not Europeans, because that's typically, you know, we're always going to hear about the Europeans that are good in the wind. Who are some yep. U.S. guys that are good wind players?
2: Well, you know, and, and part of this is because of his creativity, but Phil Mickelson, uh, he's a very, very underrated iron player.
0: Uh, so...
2: if Phil is able to drive the ball in play, uh, I think you've got to, you know, pay attention to him. Um, I think, uh, I mean, obviously, you just said, you know, don't go European, but Sergio Garcia, uh, Mm -hmm. I've been in the windy, nasty days. Uh, He's been really good. Um, You know, on the American side of things, um, a little bit convenient here because he won today, but a Dustin Johnson. Uh, you know, Dustin hits the ball quite a bit lower than people probably would think. Um, and then, but, you know, sort of my, quote, say favorite younger American is, is Jordan C. Um, you know, just something about Jordan, that it factor, if you will. Um, you know, Jordan kind of reminds me of, uh, sort of a division one point guard that got picked on in high school. You know, he's got, got that uh-huh. edge about him and he that, that sort of that grinder mentality. And, um... Maybe uh, a more respectful uh, field, kind of, where you know he's he's the guy you, you want him on your team, and if he's not, he he annoys you. And um, yeah, I would say he's going to be right up there Sunday this week uh, if all things would have pan out as they should.
0: So you know, you you bring up Jordan, and I got to ask because I know that you watched a ton of golf, Charles, and you're yeah. you're obviously a huge huge golf fan. A lot's been said about about Jordan and his putting. Do you think any of that is, is overblown? Or, or do you think it's is it something that he can just get back, you know, immediately from a, you know, it's just going to come to him? Or, you know, what are your thoughts on that as far as his putting is concerned? Because there's a lot of talk out there.
2: You know, I looked at his stats. It wasn't that long ago where he had one of the greatest runs in the history of golf, And it was almost laughable watching Jordan putt a 10-footer and picking it up. It was... And... His recent struggles here, I looked the other day, I was shocked that he was ranked, is it 180th-ish in putting? Um, You know, I still think that when you're a great putter, you're a great putter. I think he could get it back in a day. Um, I think he could get it back if if he holds a key, let's say, 10-foot putt for par, then all of a sudden the anxiety is calmed down, et cetera. I, I think he gets it all right back. So, you know, he's a guy that his putter doesn't worry me, or if you're a Jordan Spieth fan, it shouldn't worry you really that much,
0: All right, So I got to ask about some of the young guys. Um, yeah, there, there's going to be some younger guys that are that are in this field, some first timers. Yep. any anybody come to mind on, on somebody you think might could, could make a splash this week? Some dark horses.
2: Oh, dark horse! Ah, uh, um, my goodness. You know the U.S. Opens are tough for that. Um. You know, my somewhat man crush is still Rory McElroy. Um, <laughs> I And I and I know that's the opposite of a dark horse. That's betting justified, and I get it. Um, but I still think he is going to break out uh, and kind of get back on his sort of major run, if you will. Um, though, being in New York, it would be phenomenal if Tiger was up there come Sunday. Uh, I think not only for... Off, but but for you know him and his legacy you know etc. Um, but then you know sort of the, the flow and steady guys, I mean, You got to look at it, Justin Rose, uh, who's played really well and his game's really geared for this stuff. Um, man, I, you, you you kind of stumped me on this dark horse question. I, I got to think about that. Well, I mean,
1: I thought, Charles, let me uh, thought, let me let me let me throw four names at you. Let me throw four okay. names at you. And these guys are these guys have been successful on tour, so but they're dark yep. horses in terms of like you know it is the U.S. Open, it's a big deal. Sure. But a, a couple guys playing really well right now: Bryson okay. um, yep. Lu Luke, Luke List, and then okay. you have guys like uh, Patrick Cantlay, and then Xander Shoffley, uh who yep. won the Tour okay. Championship last year. What do you think about okay. guys like that?
2: Um, Bryson, uh, I. I
1: He's a really
2: solid, stable player. Um, you know, he, it always kind of... You wonder a little bit if, if sort of the over-analytics and over-preparation for a big event like this where he's going to go in and try even more or try harder, if you will. Uh, so that's a little bit of a concern there. Uh, Xander Schauffele drives the ball off him, so I would definitely put him up there. Um, then my... Then I would probably rank Patrick Cantlay slightly ahead of Luke List, simply because I think Patrick drives the ball a little bit straighter than Luke does. Um, you know, Luke's obviously a long hitter, but but you know, Patrick when he kind of gets his nose up there near the lead, he uh, he hangs around a lot. But of the four names you yeah. gave me, I, I would rank Cantlay
0: number one. Interesting. Charles, um, obviously, you talked about Tiger for a second there. The biggest issue for them, this for him this year, is has been the driver. I mean, you know, you look at his ball striking; everything else has just been fantastic. Um, yes. What do you think he's going to do off the tee? I mean, you know, with the these fairways being a little bit narrower, he's got to hit them. Uh, is it going to be stinger week? Um, and also, have you have you talked to him at all uh, about his his time on the course recently in the past week?
2: So, I'd say the Stinger, I would I would hope that you would see that, especially if it dries out a little bit. Um, now, you know, the thing with Tiger is, is people forget how darn good he gets his irons, and his ball-hitting stats have been phenomenal, even with a bit of an iffy driver. So, if, if the guy gets the driver in play, I really, really think he has every chance to win on Sunday. Um, with that said, though, however... A U.S. Open is not going to be forgiving at all to misses. And if his misses get off in the loan stuff, it's it, 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 the U.S. Open is just it's too difficult for even a player of that caliber to recover from it. Um, yes, I, I spoke to him a little bit at Memorial, and I tell you, he sort of got that look and that sparkle back in his eye. Uh, you can tell that his game is coming around. Um you know, more than anything, the guys just love him playing golf again, and it is—it's just—it's who he is, it's what he is, and um, I mean, he's a golfer, and I mean, how many times have you heard golfers say, "Yeah, I'm quitting, I'm retiring, I'm not doing this anymore," and they're doing it till they're seventy. You know, I mean,
0: it's—it's uh-huh. it's
2: what you are, and it's who he is, and um, you know, as far as his chances this week, I, I mean, if he if he somehow gets the ball in play, um, then he's got to be one of your top handful of favorites to win.
1: Did he share anything with you about his trip to Shinnecock? Uh,
2: no, I haven't spoke I haven't spoken to him since then. So no, um, I'm sorry. Well, I, we didn't. We spoke. We haven't spoke about that. Um, I, I played with Henrik Stenson today, and he was at Shinnecock on Tuesday, uh, and he was surprised how thick the rough was, like the, the heavy stuff we were talking about. Um, yeah. And but he thought it wasn't really a fair uh, judge of the golf course because it was soft because it had rained a little bit on Monday. So. Um, but he even Henrik was surprised that, man, if you get in that long stuff, I, I'm not sure you can find most of them.
1: Speaking <laughs> of Tiger, um, recently we, we've, we've talked a little bit here on the show about a couple of issues uh, around just like golf culture. So we'll get away from the Shinnecock stuff a little bit. Tiger made the comment about the PGA Tour considering allowing players to wear shorts. Yeah, And I'm I'm thinking, you know, he talked about how you guys play in the hottest climates in the world. You basically follow the sun uh, all year round. Um, And when a guy like Tiger says that, the tour, I'm sure, pays attention. What do you think about that?
2: You know, I'm, I mean, as you know, I mean, we're from the South and from Augusta. And I'm a bit of a traditionalist and whatnot. And I, I mean, I I think golfers should wear pants. I just, yeah, I think it looks better. Uh, I think it looks a little more professional. Um, I totally understand where he's coming from, and maybe for practice rounds, he would, you know, consider loosening the rule a little bit. But I don't know. I mean, I'm I, I'm a dinosaur. I'm a bit of a traditionalist in that sense. I, I think I think man looks better. I, I'm yeah. Uh, all right, I hear what he's saying, Charles, but we don't want to
1: see his legs. <laughs> okay. All right. What if? All right. Here's the scenario, Charles. You and me and Pat. God help you! At what point of your life you have to endure this? But one of these days, you—the three of us—are on the golf course together, and yep. we're playing a, a fun round. And on the cat, on the first tee, I say, "Hey, Charles, do you mind if I play a little music?" What? Yes. Are you are you a traditionalist in that sense? You, you're going to have an issue with that?
2: Not not one bit. In fact, I listen to music <laughs> okay. when I practice, or I listen to podcasts okay. because I because it, it just gets too boring. So no, I'm all for that.
1: Okay. All right. That's interesting. We we've had the debates lately on the podcast about some of the traditional stuff, like whether or not you should be able, you should have to tuck your shirt in, whether or not you should listen to music on the court. Some of that kind of stuff has come up lately. So it's funny that you you tapped in on that. And you and Pat are definitely in the same boat, uh, more traditionalist. And yeah. and you both grew up at ACC. I get it. It's it's okay. Um, yeah, I'm, definitely, so, good, I'm good. definitely a tuck-in shirt guy. Definitely tuck-in <laughs>
2: See, I am guy. too, because I feel like once it starts going the other direction, you can't get it back, and I just feel like it just spirals out of control. And but hey, like I said, I'm I'm 39
1: now. I'm, I'm I'm a dinosaur. What What about the like the Nike Blade collars, right? Like, what about those things? That's not really a collar shirt, is it?
2: Th- no, and you know, back in our days growing up at the Gas Hunter Club, we'd have for sure got a letter for that. So. I, I, mean, wonder, I wonder down.
1: if ACC allows that now.
2: Do you know? I, well, they might now with the millennialization of golf. But they, they might now. But I can promise you <laughs> in our day growing up, that was not allowed.
1: <laughs> I remember when we interviewed you the first time, you really, I remember that was one of the things you, you kind of you, – I asked you about the three things you hate. And I don't know if you said I hate millennials, but you definitely don't like some of the, uh, some of the cultural differences, which is funny. Um, but no, I'm sure no, ACC exactly. does not allow – there's not a lot of the blade collars. Um, <clears throat> no,
2: I got letters that growing up that I got club for hitting one extra ball into a green on the golf course, so I can probably oh. get the blade collars <laughs> back then would not have
1: worked. <laughs> Jeez. Um, has there been any buzz on tour? Probably not, but I just got to ask: Has there been any buzz on tour about the recent Supreme Court decision, um, basically that's, that's going to change the gambling um, uh, landscape of our of our country?
2: You know what? No, there hasn't. But what was interesting is this past offseason, we had every player had to complete an online gambling uh, tutorial, basically saying that, that we cannot gamble, we can't help other people gamble. Uh, we can't tell people, "Hey, this guy's hurt, or this guy doesn't like his driver or whatever whatever, or, yeah. or basically, if you get wrapped up, it's like, "Hey, I'm going to throw it tomorrow, I'll make sure this guy beats me." So it was. It was really interesting that we had to complete that by December thirty first, and then now all of a sudden this ruling turns up. So,
1: huh. um, okay.
2: no. I it it'll be interesting where that ends up.
1: Yeah, very interesting. All right. Um, I think the final thought I have for you is: Have you seen our Instagram story game lately? Do you have I, have Have you been watching our Insta stories at all?
2: Not really. No. I. I no. I have not. But I can catch up on it. Well, actually they last five
1: hours. So I'm I'm new to social media, yeah. I know I know you are. I know you are. But I, I, I noticed a little bit uh where where you saw a few Insta stories a couple weeks ago. And yeah. uh, we had some good ones this past week. Me and Pat played in a member guest at Champions Retreat and I didn't know if you happened to see those. I'm actually glad you did. Well, that's a good thing. Well, that's a good thing. Well,
2: if you're kind so. enough to post them, then I will be watching them because I'll be really <laughs> bored in my hotel the next couple of days.
1: <laughs> well, how's your game, man? You feeling good about going into the week at the U.S. Open and um, and and taking down that major and, and you being a major champion?
2: Yeah, well, you know, I, I'm actually looking forward to this week. Uh, it, it's, I've been playing good. I've been driving the boat a lot, so it's actually you know somewhat nice to go and do you know, major with the game somewhat in order. Um you know, and I've played here before. I had a decent week here in two thousand and four, um, until that Sunday. And um but no, I, I'm looking forward to this one. It it you know it'll all be about you know getting the burn for to see. If I'm able to do that stable with that, you know, then I think I've got every chance. And uh so that's uh, as I said earlier, that'll be uh the big focus here the next couple of days.
1: Now you're you know you're known for your West Coast uh you know kind of course course force guy on the west coast and these greens are poa out there right aren't they poa
2: you know i believe they are and i hope they kind of get bumpy poa and then i feel like everybody is at a dead even play field with the putter yep. and i'm all in for that <laughs>
0: <laughs> good all right well charles
1: we appreciate it man um and we're we're big fans of yours as we've always been and we hope you play we hope you play really well and I would love nothing more than for you to win the major, and right after the TJ podcast bump, maybe that would be what we need to go to the next level.
2: Exactly, and, and, and one of the actually one of the things <laughs> I will give you, I think Kevin Kisner will have a good week this week because the, the guy drives the ball really, really stable. Um yeah. he's got a he's got enough of that you know cockiness and edge about him. Is yeah, for a dark horse there, I, I would uh, I I wouldn't exactly count him out.
1: Charles, you're mincing words when you say enough cockiness. Kevin Kisner has enough cockiness to give about ten other players on tour a healthy <laughs> yeah. dose. He definitely <laughs> you know, does.
2: I kind of <laughs> wish he'd give me some of that because I, I wish I was a little more that way. Um, yeah, and I really, I really like Kevin. We're quite a bit different, obviously, but uh, yes, I, I do, uh, I do like that about him.
1: Yeah, well, don't tell him, but we'd love to see you you win and he could finish second. Okay, we'll so that.
2: He, can, he can lose in the new, what is the a two-hole playoff or whatever it is, so we'll do
1: that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll work that out. All right, Charles, I right, we appreciate well, you, man. Thanks for coming on.
2: Hey, well, thank you, and hopefully we can uh, talk later this week after playing good.
1: All right, Charles Howell third making his second appearance on the Tour Junkies podcast. That was awesome. Pat, we have a number of things to take away. <clears throat> Excuse me. From old, old Chucky Three Sticks there, um, it seems like, yeah, definitely the rough is an issue. But it seems like it's all really going to depend on if the course is playing firm and fast. And that's one thing that, you know, you got to pay attention to is, the, is this weather thing. I don't think this is a week that you can get too locked into your lineups, into the players that you like and don't like on Monday or Tuesday. You really can't get too committed to that because we've seen on the PGA Tour in the last few weeks, you know, the tee time waves have a major difference. And there's 156 players playing this week. The top 60 in ties are going to make the cut. So you're going to have a a much smaller percentage than normal make the cut than on a weekly basis on the PGA Tour. You've really got to take a look at the weather. And it seems like based on what Charles was saying, Pat, that... If this thing's going to play firm and fast and guys are going to be worried about balls landing in the fairway but bouncing into that rough, uh, it could definitely change your approach. So we need to be paying attention to the weather forecast. What are some other things that, that you felt like Charles uh, enlightened us on on Shinnecock?
0: Well, I mean, you know, he talked about the greens a little bit. I mean, I thought it was a little bit – it was pretty funny when he was talking about the, the Poena-type greens and, you know, how it brings a lot of players into the, into the – Field, but he, 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 again, this is just. He mentioned that how tough this course is, but it's just like you said, the weather's going to be key. Um, I think that it's here's one thing that the biggest thing I thought that I took out of it was when we asked him about dark horses and you know players that might be under the radar or new new guys that are you know playing US Opens for the first time but have been playing really well on tour he really didn't have a whole lot to say he, i think he basically just told you right there that you know, you've got to have some experience out here to win on a course like this. So I, I thought that was the biggest thing that jumped out for me was it made me think, all right, I'm going to be taking guys who, yes, are in good recent form, but also who have pe- played U.S. Opens on tough courses before. Yeah, he mentioned Rory as <laughs> a dark horse. Now, then,
1: and then he, he, he followed back up at the end and talked about Kiz having a good week, but I mean, even Kiz really, I mean, he hasn't been in great form, but he's not some rookie. So it does seem to lend itself to having a guy who's a little more experienced. Um, And then, you know, he he talked about Tiger. That was some good stuff. Just a fantastic guy. Charles Howell's an awesome dude. So really pleased to have him on. I hope that he helped you, the listener, maybe make some decisions or think about a few things. But I think no matter what, you have to you have to look at this weather come Wednesday night, and and you cannot be too committed to lineups that you've built um, prior to that because they they may require changing based on how this golf course is going to change, and the USGA is going to change the golf course like they, they want it to play. They they're going to want it to play firm and fast. So only Mother Nature is going to get in the way of that. So we just need to check it out, and you got to take these picks a little bit with a grain of salt. I mean. You know, we, we do some other content on Wednesdays. We'll be in the chat room on Roto Grinders Wednesday night. We'll have the XM show on Sirius 210, XM 87 from 7 to 8 p.m. Eastern. You know, those are some things. The chalk bomb's going to come out later on Wednesday after we have more information. Those are all things. You cannot start and end your research on a Monday for a U.S. Open, or you're not gonna, you're likely not going to do very well. So I think that's a key takeaway. For me, in terms of the course breakdown and key things, I mean, it's going to be a tough week because I mentioned you have 156 players in the field. Only the top 60 and ties are going to make the cut. And that's a very small percentage. You you get six of six through, and you're looking really, really good. It also means that more than likely, you get five of six through. You're not dead. You're not drawing dead. You're not going to take down a GPP, but you're not drawing dead. Uh, unlike the Masters where you have a smaller field and um, but if you get 5 or 6 through and you have some guys with a little bit of ownership leverage that pop, you can do really well. So for me, you know, we talk mainly about GPPs or tournaments. Um, if you don't know what GPPs are, those are basically big tournaments on DraftKings and Fantasy Draft and FanDuel. There's a lot of people in them, and um, the prize pools are guaranteed. And they're a little bigger. It's where you can win some big money. Obviously, DraftKings has the Millie Maker for the U.S. Open. We're going to talk a lot about that. And I think ownership is probably as important as anything else. Recent form is something that I definitely care about. I'm looking at um, the, the stats in terms of strokes gained approach, you know, ball striking guys, guys who are going to hit it well off the tee, guys who are going to scramble really well. You heard Charles say, too, at the end that with POA greens, it can kind of neutralize, especially as they get bumpy. So I'm not going to have a whole lot of putting stats to weigh in. We talk about this when the West Coast swing comes around with poa greens. They, they just they bounce a lot and they can get unpredictable at the end of the day. So for me, it's really form, you know, approach, scrambling and ownership. And then I'm gonna let Wednesday night decide whether or not I'm gonna have more bombers or less bombers that's that's kind of my thing what do you what do you think about that Pat is that kind of how you're gonna approach it or how much adjusting are you gonna look to do on Wednesday night
0: yeah I think well I'm gonna be doing a ton. I'm probably not even gonna even start to build my lineups until later on Wednesday because uh, I don't think I, am I don't, I'm th- there's no reason to as far as I'm concerned and I think we want to get here from the players um look you know, outlets like Golf Channel and whoever else, they have great um, interviews with the players and, and, and outlooks on the courses and things like that. You've got to, I mean, I want to take in everything before I start to put it, my lineup together, especially if I'm doing Millie Makers or whatever I'm doing um, with the way this is a U.S. Open. I mean, it's, it's just things could change. From now until Wednesday a ton. So I will wait and probably put in my lineups last minute after the chat room on Roto Grinders uh on Wednesday night. And like you said, it's just it, it's it's a US open, so you gotta you gotta take in all your factors, listen to us, but you know, maybe listen to some other people, maybe. Not not like crappy podcasts, <laughs> but
1: you know. Um it's going to be tough. It's definitely going to be tough. I think finish points are going to matter more than they normally do because you're not going to have the birdies and eagles that you normally get. Um, you're going to you're going to have to have the winner, obviously, but you're not going to have to be perfect. Unlike the unlike I think the Masters, I don't think you're going to have to be perfect. So we're going to talk a lot about the millie maker and contest selection. We'll talk a little cash game as well, some cash advice. But you know, right now it's hard to say. The strategy, because I think tea time waves are going to matter, um and, and then that's going to—it's also going to affect whether you go studs and duds or balanced. You're going to want to check FanshareSports.com on Wednesday night because they are going to go and curate all the DFS content out there—the podcasts, the tweets, the articles, the YouTube videos, all that stuff. They're going to go out and listen to it, read it, and they're going to tell you who's getting talked up the most. That's what FanshareSports.com does. We use them every single Wednesday night when we're ready to to, to build lineups. Fanshare is going to be key in this. I mean, we can predict who we think is going to be you know highly owned or not, but we're recording this on Sunday night uh, just after the St Jude Classic. So um, things could change, and you're gonna, you're just gonna have to, uh, you're just going to have to pay attention. I, I think that's what, what's going to have to happen. So I think for myself, I'll have a mixture of balanced lineups and then a, a mixture of studs and duds kind of lineups. I think there's enough value at the bottom that I can play a DJ if I want to, um, so I don't think I have to start a lineup in the nine K range. But I also know that getting six of six through is really critical. Now, if you get six of six guys and they're all chalky, you're, I mean, yeah, you might make some money, but you're not gonna really, you're not gonna really get a, a big return. So let's uh, let's let's look at some picks, Pat. Let's go to the top of the DraftKings board. You have Dustin Johnson, Rory McIlroy, Justin. Uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, Justin Thomas, Jordan Spieth, Jason Day, and Ricky Fowler in the 10K and above range. All right, man, you got to plant flags. You got to make decisions. You got to fade guys. You can't play them all. Who are you playing? All right, everyone, hope you're enjoying the podcast so far. Before we get into the picks, we do want to tell you about Peter Millar. You guys know the name. You guys know the brand, Peter Millar. Recently, we've been doing some work with these guys. We've been trying out some of their new golf apparel. Very recently, we've tried out the five-pocket pants. They are fantastic. What I love about the pants, they're very comfortable. They're stylish, which we know I'm stylish. Pat needs all the help he can get, but we're helping him out. Between me and Peter Millar, I think we're going to take care of Pat, but these pants are lightweight. They're breathable. They're made of the highest quality Pima cotton. Got a little stretch in them so you can grow a little bit. if If you're growing, putting on a little summer weight, you can do that. They fit like your favorite jeans. They can be worn anywhere. And the wash and finish is just the best there is. They can be worn year-round. You can wash them in the machine, hang them up. You barely even have to iron them. They're just, they're just go-to pants for any occasion. The ones that I'm wearing are the most comfortable pair I think I've ever worn. And I can, I can just about say that about everything I've got from Peter Millar. So right now, if you head over to petermillar.com slash junkies, check out some of our favorites there on that page that we have used personally, we love these, these clothes, uh, be sure to use the link, and you'll get a complimentary hat and free shipping. That's petermillar.com slash tourjunkies, petermillar.com slash tourjunkies. Let's get back to the picks.
0: Well, this is uh, it's tough for me, but I think that I am going to plant my flag this week on Justin Thomas at 11000 Wow. I did not see that coming. I, I didn't think you would. And look, I, I'm—I I can't argue with playing Dustin. I mean, how can you not? I mean, the guy's coming in on, in great recent form. Obviously, with the win at the St. Jude Classic, uh, has won a U.S. Open before just a few years ago. You got Rory up there. You got Jordan in there. Day. I mean, it's just a—it's a—it's a great group. Everybody, I feel like, is priced about where they should be. But I like Justin Thomas, and I think for GPPs, especially like the Millie Baker, I think he's going to be a little bit he's, – he's probably going to be maybe one of the lower-owned guys in this group besides Speeth. And I just I just like him. I mean, he's in good recent form. Checks the box and strokes gained off the tee approach and bogey avoidance. It, you know, he's not making a ton of big numbers out there. Um, you know, he's sixth in the field in DraftKings scoring. So I, I like some JT at eleven thousand, and you know you talked about you know strategy as far as what you're going to do. Average price line? Are you going to do studs and duds? There is so much good value to be even in that even in the higher six k range um, that you can fit a guy like Justin Thomas and build an incredible lineup. So he will be my top guy over ten k, and I like some Ricky Fowler. At ten two, Another guy that I think you probably were like, wow. maybe not yeah, as no, big not. So, yeah. I do like – Recently engaged, by Recently, recently engaged. engaged. Maybe that's a factor. Um, but I do like Ricky Fowler. I think this is a course that he can play well on. I feel like he should drive the ball well. Um, and so, I think Ricky Fowler and JT are going to be, as far as GPPs, they are going to be my favorite two guys. Ricky locked up the pole vault. Yeah, he did. Very well done. Yeah,
1: good job, Ricky. Very, very well done. Wow. Yeah, I mean, Pat, I, I did not see that coming. If you don't know, me and Pat do not discuss our picks prior to the podcast. Um. All right, well, I have two picks here, and one is going to be super chalky, and I think the other one is not. Um. I'm going Dustin Johnson. I'm going to have some DJ exposure. I don't know where I'll come in at. Like, I don't know if I'll be right on the number or if I'll be overweight I think I'm probably going to be on the number or overweight. I don't think I'll be underweight. So if he's 20%, I'll be at 20% or higher. I I just I I love the way he he looks right now. Um, And his last three U.S. Open performances have been ridiculous. So uh, Well, except for last year. Aaron Hills, he missed the cut. But the three prior to that were pretty good. Uh, So I'm all in on DJ. And then I think Charles Howell talked me into a little spieth. And I was already a little on the fence just because – Spieth is so – he is so – he is just that guy who's going to show up for a big event and at any moment, just like Charles said, at any moment that putter can turn around. At any moment that guy can get it together. And we've seen him do this. I mean, he did it – look at his round on Sunday at Augusta this year when a lot of people you know, kind of counted him out and he wasn't playing great then either. I just – it's going to be hard for me to avoid – Jordan Spieth, if he's if he's anywhere projected sub, you know, thirteen percent, like that fifteen percent, that's going to be hard to avoid. Um, so I think in GPPs I'm going to have Jordan Spieth and DJ, and when I and and when I do my studs and duds lineups, that's where I'm going to go. Now, over on fantasy draft, I love DJ. I'm going to play DJ on fantasy draft. He will be a little less owned on fantasy draft. Their prat their pricing tends to be a little tighter, so guys don't don't usually play the top end as much. So I'm gonna play them over there in their big tour car GPP. I'm probably not gonna to touch speeth over there in the tour car just because you know there's only like 1,300 players in that in that GPP, so I don't think I have to be as cute. Um but I'll play speeth in the Millie Maker. I, I'm gonna have some exposure to him. I think Charles Howell finally talked me into it. Hmm.
0: Did you see that coming? I did not I didn't actually I, I'm not gonna play speeth. I still, I'm not sold on him. I just don't, I just don't see it. So he, he will not be, he will be like the guy that I'm probably like going to be concerned that I'm underweight because he could, he could kill me, but I, I, I just don't, I'm not going to play him.
1: All right. In the 9k, I have two guys, two guys that I like here and both are probably chalk. I love Justin Rose, and I love Tiger Woods. I just, I mean, Justin Rose is playing phenomenal. I mean, everybody's talking about Justin Rose, but whether it gets windy, whether it doesn't, whether you put a premium on accuracy, whether you put a premium on bombing, Justin Rose can do it all. And the guy's form is amazing right now as a U.S. Open champion, uh, as you mentioned back in Marion. I love Rose. I'll take him on on fantasy draft as well. Same with Tiger. Um and and I believe in I believe in Tiger's game here and I don't know. I mean, there's too many good players in this field for him to be super you know, he's not going to be like 30%. So, I'll be on him and I and I'll I'll look to differentiate other places um with with my lineups. So, I mean, obviously if you play DJ, he's going to be super chalky. I'm not really going to work in a lot of Tiger or Justin Rose. But, you know, if I have a Spieth lineup and I can pair him with Rose or Tiger, you know, I, I might I might feel feel okay about that. So that's it for me in the 9K. I'm not, I'm not really – I think Brooks – we talked about it last week. I don't know. Like, we just don't have enough of a sample on Brooks after the wrist injury. And I know he won last year in Aaron Hills, but he's got the wrist injury. And then, like I mentioned earlier in the show, 12 birdies this week at the FedEx St. Jude. Now, he, he could have checked out. I don't know. Um, but I'm just, I think he's going to be chalky anyway. I think people are ready to play him. I'll gladly fade him. Um, and Rom, I'm just kind of indifferent on. If you want to play Rom, I'm totally fine with that. I, I don't really have a ton of reasons to talk you out of it. Other than a little lack of experience and temperament for a really, really difficult test of golf. The most difficult test of golf these guys see all year. That may be where
0: I where I talk you out of it, but that might mean he's lower on. So what are you going to do in the ninth? Yeah, I'm with you on Rom. I, I just I have a hard time taking a guy who has a history of you know some blow ups as far as his temperament's concerned at a U.S. Open. There's just not. I mean, they're going to get frustrated at times. So I'm just I'm not a big fan of Rom. Rose is my top guy. We've. Now we've done this show for what three years now. I'm not a model type guy, but when I when looking at Fantasy National, when I have all the stats that I'm, I put in there that I love, Justin Rose comes out number one for me. I mean, he is six in the field in strokes yep. gained approach. Uh, well, he pretty much checks every single box, even all the way up to putting, which we always we, we typically weigh less of. But he's up there in the top 15 in the field in every single stat that I'm looking at. So I don't see how you can avoid Justin Rose. I think he's a solid play, whether it's GPP or cash. Um, you know, Again, he's going to be higher owned. You know, But still, I, it's just a solid play. Tiger, I will have some of. I, I think especially in GPPs, there's reason to play him. Look, the guy has been fantastic. He I mean, literally, when you look at like his approach game, well, he's number one in the field right there, and then scrambling, he's number one in the field. So all that we have that's just killing tiger is his driving the you know and, and the driving accuracy and that kind of thing, which yes, it is key this week, but he could find it, and I feel like he this is a tournament a course that he likes. So I do like some Tiger, and especially in GPPs at 9200 I think that's a great price. Other than that, there's not really anybody here that I'm going to take.
1: You know, you have to have some exposure to these guys in the 9 and 10K. You do. Uh, these are the top 10 players in the field, and the odds of one of these players winning are extremely high. Extremely high. And so and, and we already talked about how there's going to be less points being made on birdies and eagles because of a tough golf course. So finish position is going to matter. You know, I. You got to have you got to have exposure to these guys and all these guys are going to be popular. I mean, some are going to be more popular than others, but you're going to feel to some extent like when you roster these guys, man, I'm I'm eating a little chalk here. Maybe I'm being too chalky, but don't overthink it here. I just don't think this is where you overthink no, it. I not not at you all. plant your flag on who you want and you do your thing. Now you pay attention to some projections to determine whether or not you're going to be you know, a little underweight, a little overweight on them. I think you can do that, but don't overthink it other than that. It's going to feel a little chalky because these 10 guys are, are highly likely to win this golf tournament. That's just, that's just what it is. Um, all right, let's talk 8k range, Pat. I want you to start us off in the 8k and then we'll get into this juicy, juicy
0: 7k feel, which I think is likely where a lot of leverage can be gained. Yeah, there are so many players in that 7k range that I like but starting in the 8k range I, I have a hard time avoiding Stinson I mean the guy is just I mean he's obvious. he's number one in the field in driving accuracy uh, number two in the field in bogey avoidance four in the field in strokes game approach I think Stenson is is definitely a guy that could um should play very well in this course actually he mentioned uh you know Simpson was there last week Charles just mentioned him in his interview that uh he's he saw the course it's uh, I, I like that that he's been out there before um so I think Stinson's one of my favorite guys here at 800. um I like Mickelson you know there's been a lot of talk about Mickelson this is like you know he's 48 years old he's never won a US open and this is a course that I feel like is sets up extremely well for for his game. He's played here a ton, I think, leading up into the tournament. Um, if you're looking at stats, he doesn't check a whole lot of boxes. But that's never Mickelson. I mean, he's never going to, like, check every single box for you. He played well recently here. He had a great final round at, the, uh, at Memphis at the FedEx. So I do like Mickelson at 8,600. I think he's a great play. Um Bryson DeChambeau is interesting to me. I was surprised that Charles Howe wasn't like huge yeah, it sounds, on sounds Yeah. Sounds like he wasn't a big he fan. He was not, but I liked I like Bryson this week. I, I think this is you know, he's a guy that's he you know, he's won a US amateur, he's won the the NCAA championships, this is a guy that's, that plays tough courses really well, is in great recent form. He's checks and boxes, strokes gained approach, also bogey avoidance, strokes gained off the tee, and driving accuracy. I mean, everything fits well for Bryson right now. And he's just had an incredible year. So, And you get him at 8,300 on DraftKings. I just feel like he is a, a great play. I, it, it could co- a cash play to me. I, I think he is a core cash play. Uh, so I like that. Um and then, if you're going down to the very bottom, how can you not like Tommy Fleetwood at 8100? I think that's just an incredible price for him. He's ninth in the field and strokes gained off the tee, twelfth in driving accuracy, checks the box in scrambling and approach. Fleetwood is just if, I feel like he's like there's a couple other guys in the 7K range that are like cash core, like just solid locks. Fleetwood's a lot for me. I mean just a lot. If you're playing cash games, put Fleetwood in your lineup and then go from there. All right. I ha-
1: I vehemently disagree with you on Bryson DeChambeau. I think this is not the place to play him. I think the DFS industry loves Bryson right now. He's so hot. We have to. I mean, we've talked him up, we've liked him, and it's a perfect time to avoid him. $8300 he's priced in there with major winners like Bubba Watson, guys like Tommy Fleetwood, Paul Casey, Adam Scott, Brendan Grace, Patrick Reed, Phil he's he's overpriced for this field. Now a lot of it is form, but you're talking about a US Open, the toughest test in golf in one of the strongest fields all year. At 8300 bucks, I will happily fade Bryson DeChambeau especially Especially if he creeps over fifteen, anywhere around the fifteen percent ownership range in GPPs, I'm out, and I think he's the last cash staple that I would take in this range. I would not take him. So there's some disagreement for you on the podcast. Now I completely agree with you on Henrik Stenson and Phil Mickelson. I had both of them circled prior even to our conversation with Charles Howell. I'm glad to hear Henrik uh, has already been over there and, and kind of seen the golf course. And listen. If he's talking about it, you know, kind of running out and avoiding that rough, he's great with that three wood. We all know what he did at at the Open Championship a few years ago. He can play in the links. He can play if it gets windy. He can play if it doesn't. I think he's a great value right now, Um, and and I'm going to buy into Phil. It's New York. He's playing good. I was happy to see him play at the St. Jude, which is his normal routine to play the week before the major and find some form, which he did. I just think you gotta have some Phil exposure this week. This is a spot. This is just a spot. It, it's where it got away from him in '04 when the when when they lost the greens and Retief just did something stupid. I could just. This is just a great narrative to follow, and I'll be on Phil for that. I, I just I think it's a good spot. Now, I also completely agree with you on Fleetwood. I think Tommy Fleetwood is poised to win his first major here at Shinnecock. Whether it gets windy or it doesn't, Tommy is your boy. He is a ball-striking machine. And I just think this is a great spot for him. I love Fleetwood at 8,100. I think he is a GPP play, and I think he's a cash play. I don't think he's getting as much talk on GPPs as he was. I mean, think about how much he was getting talked up for, like, the Masters and, uh, you know, fourth-place finish at the U.S. Open last year at Aaron Hill's. Uh, I think twenty seventh at the Masters a couple weeks ago, a month month ago, two months ago. I, I just I think he's I think he's getting overlooked a little bit, and I love it. Now below him, I also love Paul Casey, so I love the eight K range. Stenson, Phil, Fleetwood, and Casey. I'm riding those dogs. I'm going to be having a lot of these boys. Paul Casey at eight thousand and Deshambo at eighty three hundred. Are you kidding me? There. Let me tell you. Okay, I would put Deshambo. I would take Deshambo, probably in the Webb Simpson, Louis tazen range. So I think he's about four or five hundred dollars overpriced. But Paul Casey at eight thousand, the ball striker that he is, he's ninth in this field in strokes gained approach over the last twelve rounds. He's a, he's scrambling. He's scrambling well. I mean, I just I think Fleetwood and Casey are your cash locks. I don't know where you want to start your cash lineups, probably in the 9K range. But if it were me, I'm starting cash with, like, Rose or Tiger and Tommy and Casey. That's where I'm starting cash lineups. And I also love all four of these guys in the 8K range on Fantasy Draft are equal or better values that I'm willing to take over on Fantasy Draft, especially in the tour card. How in the
0: world are you – I don't get why you would be so down on Deshamba. I mean, he's coming off a win at the Memorial. Just look at his last four events. He's gained 30 and a half strokes on the field. He's been fantastic this year from his recent form and everything else. Like, I don't see why. I don't, I don't understand why you're so down on him. It, it's, it's a, to me, it's a lot to do with price and value. He's and price extro- like, What's wrong with his price? You could argue he should be at the 9K range. Shut up. Shut up. All right. So Garcia's at 8,700. Hasn't done anything in the last like five or six weeks. Well, all year long. Okay, fine. You could say that Deshambeau has been playing as good as anybody on tour this year, outside of maybe a few guys like DJ this past week, Jason Day. yeah, he's not playing better than DJ or Day or Rose or. You're giving me all guys over in the nine k range and, and I mean, Patrick Reeds. Patrick Reeds said,
1: "Yeah, but you can't just look." I, I get that his recent form is good. I give you that, and, and like like I said, we've loved Deshambo the these last few weeks. Loved him in a major championship at a US Open, the toughest test in golf. I think he's overpriced for his experience. And given the people surrounding him. Dude, I would love to make a bet with you on Deshambeau versus Paul Casey. Oh,
0: I will. You want to make that bet? I will make that bet. Okay. We got to figure out what that is. I will will make that bet that Deshambeau will finish higher than Paul Casey for sure. Okay. Done. Let's move on. 7,000 range,
1: ton of odds here, uh, you know, potential here. Let's start it. Let's look at 7,500 and above. So let's look at Cam Smith up to Adam Scott. I want you to give me where you're planting your flag, because this is really where some
0: big decisions have to be made in this upper 7K range. Well, actually, I'm not going to play. I'm not gonna, you know, Adam Scott's going to check the box for a, a ton of people when you're looking at every single stat category except for putting. He's 104th in the field in strokes game putting. So, I, I'm not sure I can play some Adam Scott, but I like Alexander Norin at 7,900. I think he's a good play. Checks the box and fairways gained or driving accuracy. Bogey avoidance also off the tee and approach. So, I do like Alex Norin. And Louis Oosthuizen, I think, is a decent, like kind of a, a GPP play. I'm not going to play him in cash, but I do like him as a GPP play. Uh, great scrambler. Um, you know, has been, you know, pretty good off the tee. So I think that Louis Oosthuizen at 7,800 is a, is a pretty good play there. Webb Simpson is a guy that a lot of people are going to talk about. Obviously come in in great recent form. Um, probably checks. I, I haven't even looked at his stats actually to be honest, but it's probably he's going to fit almost all of them. They, yeah, they look really just, good. I mean, the only one I would think of would be that he wouldn't look good on would be off the tee and that's just because of his distance. But other than that, he's probably... Looking pretty good. So I do like Webb. Um, Matt Kuchar, 7,600. That's going to be, I and mean, he's going to be so high-owned. I can't even, I mean, but that's, I like that as a cash play. I think Kuchar is just a cash lock at 7,600. So I'm, I'm, I am I like that there. Uh, very bottom, I like some Adam Hammond at 7,000. Checks a box always in putting, driving accuracy. Oh, you
1: must have missed it when I said let's go from 7,500 to 7,900. Did you? Were you checking oh, out? Sorry, I checked out there. Yeah, so stop there. Awesome. You go. Go. Okay. Um, I, I agree with you on Norrin. I definitely like Alex Norin. I think it's a good spot for him. Again, don't know that he'll get a lot of chatter. Uh, Leishman? Freaking Leishman. All right. I never get him right. Uh, yeah, I was on him pretty heavy in the Memorial. He shot... He finished tied for 62nd. I don't know. I, I'm I'm to be determined on Mark Leishman. That that's where I'm at right now. Um I mean his last three events he was 63rd at the players. Then he finished out with a second place finish at the Byron Nelson. And then he finished out with a sixty second finish at the Memorial. Like, I don't understand what's going on. But um I think he has potential. Let's see what the weather's gonna do, but I think you got to keep an eye out on Leishman. Webb is checking every single box. I think it's going to depend on weather and ownership. If it is going to be firm and fast, it's got Webb Simpson's name all over it. If there's any threat of rain that might soften things up a bit, I might lower a little exposure to him, or if the tea time waves don't look very good, or the ownership just goes through the roof, I think I'll probably pass. Um I agree with you on Coocher, another cash game staple, and I will have. Some exposure in GPPs, but mainly cash. Um, I really like Keegan Bradley again. I, my Keegan radar is going off. We've talked oh, about it before. Gosh, are you serious? I know, Come what, on, man. I can tell when Keegan's in heat, and I've got him right every single week. He finished tied for twenty third at the Memorial, another tough golf course. Tied for seventh at the Players. I think Keegan is is feeling a little something. He's feeling a little something something right now. Um, he's 10th in this field in strokes gained approach over the last 12 rounds. I just think now he does scare me a little off the tee, but, but he's, been, I don't know. I, I I got a feeling in GPPs, I wouldn't recommend him in cash, but in GPPs, I'll take it. I'll definitely take it. It was funny to me that, that of all the players that I, I gave him, I gave Charles Howell four names and he listed Xander Shoffley as number one over Deshambo, your boy, Patrick Cantlay, and Luke List. Now, all three of those guys in much better recent form than Xander Schauffele, who has missed his last two cuts, but he did finish second at the Players' Championship right after finishing 72nd at the Wells Fargo. So his, his form's been a little... Uh, it's left a little bit to be uh, to be desired, but I do think... As we look into ownership later on Wednesday night, it's something to look at. Um, he's also a California guy, and if you look over the last fifty rounds, he's tenth in the field in strokes gained putting on Bermuda, on not Bermuda, on Poa over the last fifty rounds. So a long term sample. He's tenth in this field in strokes gained putting on Poa. He's seventh in this field recently in strokes gained around the green. If he can just get the irons and driver dialed in a little bit to like where he was earlier in the year or at the end of last year, I think he could be an interesting GPP
0: pivot from Uber Chalk Tony Finau. What are you gonna do about Finau? Oh wow, Um, not huge on Finau this week. I really don't. I mean, he's just he doesn't pop for me a whole lot. So I think that he is uh, a guy that I'm probably gonna fade. I, I just I don't I don't see it know he's yeah he missed a cut this past week disappointed a lot of people
1: he's checking a lot of boxes but and you know we had him on the show a few weeks back if you didn't hear that you need to go back and listen to that interview he talked about how much he loves difficult
0: golf courses he loves playing on difficult tracks but he's 127th he like i'm looking at the last 24 events 127th in the field in driving accuracy yeah that's not that's not going to get it done. But, but then he talked to us about that little three iron he hits. That like so yeah, I guess like if he does that, I mean yeah. But still,
1: yeah, it might be. A, I don't know. I think he's going to be pretty chalky. So if you want if you want to pivot off of a super chalky guy, Fenial might be the one. All right, let's look at the uh, seven thousand to seventy four hundred dollar range. Now you already mentioned Adam Hadwin. You want to finish up your Adam Hadwin thought And then hit the rest of the 7K? No, I do
0: like Adam Hadwin He's obviously a great putter of the ball He is uh, in the top I believe 15 to 20 in the field In driving accuracy Just Checks a box and strokes getting approach And scrambling So I think Hadwin's a great play I like Shane Lowry He's a guy that had to play. Whoa! He's a guy that had to play his way into the field, had to qualify, but has been playing really well. He was fifteenth at the BMW Championship at Wentworth just a few weeks ago. Uh, so his form is coming around. Seventy two hundred on DraftKings. I think that's a, a you know a very good price for him. box and strokes getting off the tee, bogey avoidance also. So I do like some Shane Lowry. How about our boy Jimmy Walker? Just yes, absolute. Yes fantastic recent form a little twitter talk from him this week uh, on the backstopping issue Um, but you know what regardless of that he's just been playing fantastic you look at his recent form he's gained 40 strokes on the field in his last four events jimmy walker is i feel like healthy his game is right there he played well on, you know, on the, the, the link-style course in, uh, at Trinity Forest just a few weeks ago. So I like that as well. So Jimmy Walker, I think it could be a fantastic play.
1: Man, all right, I'm shocked you had Jimmy Walker. I haven't heard a lot of chatter on him lately. I'm with you, though. He checks a ton of boxes. This could be a nice, like, hey, I'm back. I'm ready to go. Um, he's a major champion winner. I think he's interesting at seventy three hundred for sure, and, and he doesn't seem to be getting a lot of love. And the form has been incredible. What are you going to do with Kiz after Charles Howell's fleeting thought there as we were ending the conversation?
0: Actually, you know what? I didn't have a whole lot of kids, but but after he mentioned him, it made me start to think about him. He really doesn't check the the box all that much. I mean, no. he's like like no. putting maybe. Um, yeah, I'm surprised that his you know his driving accuracy isn't. You know, it's like top 40 in the field, but it's not great. Um, he's not making a ton of birdies. so I, I'm a, But you don't really need to do that. I want to, you know, make birdies on a, on a U.S. Open course, but I don't know. Kiz is maybe one of those guys that you just take a flyer on in a few lineups just to, just to see what happens. Because you never know with him. I mean, he is so hit or miss that if he's hot – And he's hitting the fairways, and he's making some putts. He could be right there at the end. He's played well in majors before. Uh, Chambers Bay, he was in the top fifteen. So in a a, you know U.S. Open where played relatively tough, I guess. Not I don't know. It was kind of a weird event, but uh, you know, Kiz is just he's a guy I feel like you could take a flyer on, but I'm not that confident about him. Um, another guy, another GPP play
1: that i think people are going to forget about because we haven't seen him since the players championship where he finished tied for 11th is ian poulter poulter's checking boxes for me and again i don't think a lot of people are going to be thinking about him but he's 14th in the field in strokes gained approach 28th in the field in strokes gained around the green all in the last 12 rounds um i think poulter's an interesting play right there below jimmy walker by the way In my model, if you will, which consists of a few different things, I don't want to get bogged down into it, but in my model, my weighted stats model, it has nothing to do with course history, nothing to do with form, it's all the stats, Uh, Jimmy Walker is number one in my model, DJ is number two, Mm. which is
0: interesting. It, it, like, made me stop. In, we always said seven. that when we yeah. started this that we weren't big into the models. I know. <laughs> now here we are talking about models. I say model.
1: It's a very loose term. Like It's, freak, it's, I'm, it's Fantasy Nationals. Uh, Custom mix, set model, model. model. I don't yeah, know what it yeah, is. It's, 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 it's not, a great tool. It's not like, it is a great tool, but, it, yeah. Um, other than that, I want to give you, I really, really like the price of Chess and Hadley. At seven thousand, so you like Adam Hadwin? I'm going to keep riding the and Hadley form. I mean, the guy has gained twenty-two strokes in the last six weeks on the PGA Tour. Um, he is let's see, he's 19th in this field in strokes gained approach, 21st in bogey avoidance, and 22nd in strokes gained putting on POA. I mean, at seven thousand, I'll take Chesson Hadley, and I'll keep riding that form. So. He's a big play for me. Other than that, I'm not too. Your Lowry pick is interesting. I don't know. I mean, I think, I think Walker and Poulter. That's kind of it for me. And Hadley. Okay. All right. Let's wrap it up. Six K range. Um, I mean, Steve Stricker. Boom. At 6,900, is really good. He checks a
0: lot of boxes, but, but he's going to be chalky, right? Like a ton of people are going to have, I sit. think he's going to be chalky, but I still feel like if you're going to, I mean, if you're just trying to fill out a good lineup, I don't care if it's GPP or cash. I mean, how can you not get him in there? I mean, you're at 6,900. It's It's just, just a fantastic price for him. I, I love it. I, I don't care if he's chalky or not. I'm going to be eating that chalk for sure on Straker. He's definitely a, a major value on
1: DraftKings. If you look on, let's see, where is he? On Fantasy Draft. Um, he's 11-8 on Fantasy Draft. I mean, he's... I think he's a value on both sides, Um, as is Chess and Hadley, by the way, over on Fantasy Draft. So, yeah, I love Steve Stricker. I think he's a great play here. Um, man, I mean, would you play Stricker in cash? Yes, Heck yeah, I would. Yeah, I think I would, too. I think I think I go strickering in cash. I'm with you there. Well, I think all right. Who else I got? think
0: right there. You know, it's 6,700, you, you know, the guy we've had on the show tonight, Charles Howell. I mean, that's a yep. fantastic price for him. And that's a value. He's played. You know, we we talked about it when we interviewed him. He finished in the top 30 before uh, at Shinnecock. Um, checks the box on putting, driving accuracy off the tee, bogey avoidance. His recent form has been good. It's always good for him. Um, at the lower end of this range, I think Sam Burns is always interesting. This is a guy that is just the next stud on tour. He's at 6400. That's going to allow you to to fit some fantastic players in that 8 and 7k range in there, especially if you go with a a guy over 10k. So I think Sam Burns at 6400 is also another good play. Um, and he's a great putter, and you got to put well at U.S. Opens. So I think uh, there you go, sixty four hundred. That's about as low as I can give you. I, I got nobody else there.
1: Hmm. Yeah, Burns is interesting. I, I think it. I think similar to um, to Deshambo. I think it'd be a little big for Burns. I think. I think it's. I think it could be a big moment for him. Um, so I think I'll avoid him. Is that is that all you have in the 6K range? Just those
0: guys? Um, nah, I think that's about it. Yeah,
1: that's about it. That's all I had written down. Um I agree with you on Charles Howell. And I and I had Charles Howell kind of circled before we talked to him. At sixty seven hundred, the way he's been playing right now, the experience at Shinnok, um, I, I just I think it's I think it's a good value for CH3 for sure. Uh, another guy that I think is interesting who hasn't played great lately, but Brennan Steele to me, we know he's a scorer, um, did not do well at the Players' Championship, shot at 81 in the third round and MDF'd, missed the cut at the Masters when a lot of people were talking about him. But... I could see a rebound here in the month off that he's had since the Players' Championship. Plus, you're on POA green surfaces. He's a California guy. He's a little more comfortable putting POA. I mean, look at Brendan Steele's performance when the West Coast swing's going down. It's pretty freaking good. Um, 29th, 20th, 29th, 3rd. That's all out of, out there on the West Coast. He's a better player out West. So, on those POA putting surfaces, I like Brendan Steele. I, one of the lower, in fact, is almost as low. Actually, is, yeah, it is. It is the the minimum price. I think Dean Burmester is in play at the minimum price. Dean Burmester has made fourteen to seventeen cuts on the PGA Tour. I mean, on the European Tour, but he finished twelfth at Wentworth a couple weeks ago. That's a really tough field. That's a that's a tough field on a tough golf course. Um he he was he was lights out i i just think i think burmester is if you're gonna take a shot in a gpp and you we want to pair him with dustin johnson you can do that i mean remember last year andrew landry's coming out party at aaron hills yeah and he like came out of nowhere I mean, there's gonna be one of those guys i i just don't like giving advice to those guys cause i think it's, it's i think tough. it's tough
0: <laughs> it's tough to it's really tough. yeah
1: but I do think you get a guy who's who's experienced at a bare minimum price down here sandwiched between Tom Lewis and Matteo Pavon like guys you've never heard of that that's playing on the European tour and competing and playing tough events. So I think you could you can sprinkle a little uh, a little love on uh, on Dean. Okay. The Dean. All right. Ah, uh, well, Pat. Um, I think that about. I think that about buttons it up, dude. Charles Howell's price on fantasy draft at eleven four is stupid. It's um, That's a great price. Um. All right, so we got to hit one and done, buddy. It's a big week. It's a big week. Who you, who you using? My one and done is going to be
0: Justin Thomas. Wow, you are in on Justin Thomas. All in on JT this week.
1: All right. Hmm. Um, if I use DJ yet,
0: I don't think I have. I don't think you have.
1: All right, I'm going DJ. I feel. I mean, I just think DJ is gonna freaking show up. Dude feels good. It's been a good show, Pat. It's been a long one, but it's U.S. Open, you know. It's U.S. Open. We hope you guys enjoyed it. Don't forget um, the My Bookie bookmaker deal is in full effect. Don't forget the Chalk Bomb. Go to tourjunkies.com. Send us a, an email there on the contact form. Get the Chalk Bomb, and we'll be around Wednesday night. We hope you guys have a fantastic week. May your screens be green.
0: See you. Out! Skip skipping the beach and not close enough, so that space between you and me, let's lose it. No. The way you're
1: dancing, sway into the music, girl, that body and how you move it every time you cross my mind, girl, I lose
0: it. Alexa, play the Country Heat playlist. Okay. I do think you know what you to me you got my- With Amazon Music, a voice is all you need. Get tens of millions of songs. Download the Amazon Music app today. Point out the colors in you. I see them too. And boy, I like them. I like them. I like them. We wait to fly to partake in all this. Hey, we are here vibing. We vibing. We vibing. Alexa, play Ariana Grande. Okay. I just want you to come with me. With Amazon Music, a voice is all you need. Get tens of millions of songs. Download the
1: Amazon Music app today.